Some of you may be wondering, well, where's Pastor Chris this morning? Did we miss him? Is he gone? He is on holidays this week. He will be back for the next two Sundays. Uh, however, July 23rd will be his last Sunday here at Meadowbrook. And so we want to take some time during that Sunday to honor him. Uh, we will have a special service. And then after that service, there will be refreshments uh, out in the gym. So come prepared that Sunday to uh, wish him all the best. Uh, obviously, as a church, we are very thankful for Pastor Chris and Sarah and their ministry to us over the years, and we want to do nothing but bless them in their next steps uh, with Jesus. So be prepared for that. Some of you may also be saying, okay, what's going on? What's the plan? Uh, have you ever heard this statement, God has the plan? We don't have to worry about it. Some of you are very good with that answer. Others of you are saying, no, 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 we got to have a plan. So, yes, as a church, we do have a plan. Uh, we are blessed with a wonderful staff here at church. Uh, let's give them a round of hand. Uh, so, we've got Susan, who was just up here. We've got Rebecca. We've got Renee. Uh, we've got Chris, Joseph, Andrew. All of that staff uh, are here they are a wonderful staff. We are so blessed to have them. And we have a strong leadership team. Uh, the Board of Elders, along with the MMT, uh, we are united. Uh, our desire is to bring honor and glory to the Lord. And uh, we know that God has the plan for Meadowbrook. Uh, he will take care of us. We don't have to fear. And so we do have some steps that we are taking. Uh, we are looking at uh, developing a strategic plan for our next steps. We are looking at creating a job posting that we will put out shortly for our lead pastor. And so as a church, we pray uh, for our next lead pastor. We pray, pray for what will happen next. And that is your responsibility as well. We need all of us to be engaged, to be praying for what the Lord has next for us. Short term, over the next couple of months, uh, we hope to fill uh, the Sunday morning service with guest speakers. And so that would be the plan short term and then longer term again. As the Lord leads, guides, and directs, and we work with uh, the lead leadership team, we will come up with uh, our next steps. But please, please be praying for us. All right, this morning we have a guest speaker, and uh, he is hopefully not familiar to, or is yeah, what am I saying? He may be familiar to you, he may not. <laughs> Anyways, Lowell Froze is here this morning, and I'll ask Lowell to come up at this point in time. Uh, so as he's coming up, he'll turn around and look at you, and you go, I'll say, oh, yeah, I know him. <laughs> so Lowell is currently chaplain at the Leamington Mennonite Home. Uh, he has served in other capacities in our community, and uh, he may, may or may not share some of that with us, but uh, let's just pray for Lowell this morning. Dear Lord, we come before you this morning, and uh, again, praise and thank you for who you are. As our worship team has led us, uh, Lord, you are uh, God Almighty. You have the plans. Uh, you know everything about what's going on, and we trust in you. And this morning, Lord, as Lowell brings your word to us, I pray, Lord, again, that he would speak your words, uh, that he would remain calm, and uh, just uh, I pray that you would bless him this morning and bless us as we listen. And I pray this in thy precious name. Amen.
All right, good morning. Now, this morning, I, I, um, I had put out these pair of pants, so I picked these pair of pants this morning. <laughs> Myself. Yeah. But then I asked Marlene to choose a shirt, and she chose this shirt. And yesterday, before she went to work, she says, Lowell, you need to get in line at a hairdresser. You need to get your hair cut. Because you're preaching tomorrow. And so I went... <laughs> I went and got a haircut, and Marlene kind of dressed me this morning, so you're getting the best-looking me this morning. (laughs) For those of you who don't know me that well, I will give you a little bit of details about myself. Um, When it comes to Coke or Pepsi, I will always choose Coke. When it comes to hockey, I cheer for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, that was one of my saving graces when I first moved out here because I didn't have to choose between Toronto or Detroit. <clears throat> and why would you cheer for Toronto anyway? Um, <clears throat> when it... Um, Yeah, so I, um, <laughs> I, uh, I was born in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. I'm a Saskatchewan boy, born out west, grew up out west. Now I'm at that age where I've lived half of my time out west and half of my time here in southern Ontario. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm a big Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan. They, they say we bleed green. Um, for those of you who don't know who Saskatchewan Rough Riders are, <laughs> because you guys are so involved in the NFL here and not the CFL, um, that's a Canadian Football League team. <clears throat> okay. Um, and so, I grew up in a family where my dad was a pastor, my grandpa was a pastor. And as far as I know, I'm third generation. I don't know if my great-grandpa was a pastor or not. And I didn't have any boys, but maybe one of my girls will be a pastor one of these days. I don't know. But it's, it's been a blessing growing up in a family where God is taught, where, where Jesus is the main message, where the Bible stories mean more than just telling a story, where where church is important, where coming together with believers is important, where, where singing is important. Um, believe it or not, I, I used to sing in festivals from grades 5 to grade 8. Um, I, never, I always won my class, but I never won the big trophy. Uh, there was always a girl that won. <clears throat> and for those of you... That want to know, in grade five, I hadn't hit pu- puberty yet, so I was singing just as high as the girls. <laughs> and I was good. <laughs> Better than a lot of them. Um, and I still enjoy singing to this day. Um, and when I'm at the home, I have the opportunity when I'm visiting one-on-one or when I'm doing devotions, I get to sing with the residents. And I love the hymns. Uh, there is something special about the hymns. And, and I, I don't say this 
trying to convince the worship team to sing more hymns, but the hymns are wonderful. And there is such an amazing story to many of them that we shouldn't lose and that we shouldn't stop singing. Um, and so I get to sing those hymns with the, with the residents at the home and, and to see how they have them memorized, at least the first two verses of most of these songs. It's just a wonderful time. Um, also, I, I like dad jokes. And so before I get serious... Um, let me share a dad joke with you, or, or maybe two, we'll see. Um, did you hear about the cow that tried jumping over a barbed wire fence? It was an utter disaster. <laughs> and this next one is one of my favorite because... You tell the punchline, and half the people you tell, they don't catch the punchline. So, do you guys want to hear a joke about paper? Oh, yeah. Forget it. It's terrible. <clears throat> and for those who didn't get it, terrible. Yes. All right. This, um, another thing I want to share with you is my favorite, one of my favorite verses. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And this verse kind of falls right in line with my favorite Bible story. And that's what I want to share with you today. Uh, the title to the message that I think was emailed around was Trusting God When It's Hard. And um, I actually preached this message a number of years ago in a little church in Pelly, Saskatchewan, where my dad was at. And I was trying to find that message because I, uh, I didn't actually print it out. I wrote it out. And... I couldn't remember the title of this, of this message, and then I found it yesterday as I was searching through a bunch of my boxes. And I used the title, Through, and I like that title a little bit more than Trusting God When It's Hard. And I, I'm sure you'll understand as I go through. So my favorite Bible story is actually Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. For those of you who watch VeggieTales, Radshack and Benny. And there is something fascinating about this story. And not just fascinating, but there is something about this story that has always stuck with me. There is something about this story that reminds me that there is a God who is always there. And so I want to go into the story this morning. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to start in, in, at verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 12. 
King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 90 feet high and 9 feet wide, and set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, All the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound Of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, pipes of all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king, They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. And so we have this image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has made. It's huge. 90 feet high, 9 feet wide. We don't know if it was a a replica of King Nebuchadnezzar himself or whether it was just some sort of image of gold. But it was massive and it was something put in place that King Nebuchadnezzar wanted everybody. Didn't matter if you were of different language. It didn't matter if you were of different nation. As long as you lived in Babylon, you were going to bow down to this image. That was the rule. That was the command. It's interesting, when I told this story to the residents at the home, there was one gentleman, he, he, used, he used to be a pastor, and he came up to me afterwards and he said, you know, isn't it, I always found it kind of fascinated by the measurements of this image. He says, 90 feet high and 9 feet wide, it seems like that would be pretty easy to push over. You know, it would be very Very easy, if you just pulled it from the top, you could pull it down. You would think an image like that would have a much wider base and would, you know. 
But he always, he always thought it was interesting how that image was, was made in such a way that it could topple or could be toppled. And so you have all these people, you have all these satraps and prefects and officers of the provincial government, or whatever, and they're all standing there and they they hear all the instruments and everybody falls down to the ground and they bow down to the image. Now, three guys, and I don't know how many people there were, but three guys stay standing up. And I, I just want you to think for a minute. Just imagine the guys that are bowing down around Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> and they look over and they see feet still there. And there, nobody's bowing down beside them. And they turn, they turn to each other. What do those guys think they're doing? Don't they know it's death if they don't bow down? And then the one guy maybe turns towards him. Hey, guys, get down. Do you value your life? Just, just bow. Forget about everything else. Save yourself and bow. And yet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stand straight up for everybody to see. And somebody does see them. And the... It says, these people who saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went to King Nebuchadnezzar and told King Nebuchadnezzar. You know what? It would have been so easy in that moment for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to compromise their trust and faith in God. You know, they could have just sat down on the ground. You know, maybe sat cross-legged. They didn't have to bow, but they could have at least sat down so nobody would have noticed them standing up. They might have been able to get away with it if they had just lowered themselves to the ground, but not necessarily bowing down. And yet they didn't. There was something about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There was a confidence Um, someone that I read this week said they were persuaded that nothing could get them to disobey God to put their faith in something else they had grown up who were Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego Well, they were three Hebrew boys that when Babylon captured and conquered Judea, Babylon took the youngest and the ones that looked the most strong and the ones that were the most handsome and the ones that they knew they could train into official leaders. And they were taken into Babylon. So someone like me, No, not quite. I'm sure a 45-year-old wouldn't have been on their list of guys to bring into the Babylon. I might have been used for something, but not the way they wanted to use these young guys. 
But these three Hebrews, and along with Daniel, which we also read in the book of Daniel, they're brought into Babylon. And from the minute they're captured, the minute they're brought into Babylon, the Babylonians are trying to the best of their ability to get these Hebrew boys to forget about Yahweh, to forget about the one true God. And how do they do this? Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's not their Hebrew names. Those were Babylonian names that they were given. And that was one of the first things they did to try to convince these Hebrew boys that it's no longer important to serve the one true God. And then from there, they're put at the king's table with a bunch of other young boys, and they're told to eat the king's food. And Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they say, we can't eat this food. And the guy in charge says, well, you have to, because if you don't, I could be killed. And then they say, but let's, let's just test this out. You feed us just vegetables and water for a while. And if we look better than everybody else after that test, then you have your answer. And so that's all they get is vegetables and water. And at the end of the test, these four Hebrew boys are stronger. They, they're even handsomer than they were before. Their skin complexion is beautiful. They look much better than the Babylonians themselves. And throughout the course of them growing up into these, these leaders in Babylon... They're being forced to try to forget about Yahweh, to forget about the one true God. And yet through it all, they stay strong. They are persuaded that the one true God is the God that is the most important. They believe that Yahweh is to be served and loved. And a faith in Yahweh is not to be compromised. That's who these three boys are. And so you can imagine the pressure that has been put on them as they've grown up into these leaders to forget, to ignore Yahweh and the God Almighty. And in this moment, that confidence and that that persuasion that Yahweh is the one true God continues to show itself. And it's not out of arrogance that they stay standing. It's out of trust in God. It's out of obedience to God. The Ten Commandments were given. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. They remembered that growing up. And so, let's continue reading. Let's see what happens. It's at this point where things start to heat up. (sighs) 
furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summons Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. Again, the pressure. Their life is at stake. How does that look for us? Because we often find ourselves in compromising positions. We often find ourselves in, in being backed into a corner. The pressures of this world. You know, what do you do if your boss wants you to do something a little shady? And you know it's going to get you that promotion. Do you do what your boss wants you to do? Or do you, know, do, you do what you know is right? Do you compromise your faith to get a little bit ahead? What about, you know, what about if your loved one has cancer and you pray and you pray for healing and it never seems as if God answers your prayer? Do you compromise and you tell God, God, if you're not going to answer my prayer, then I'm done with you. I have no use for you if you can't heal my loved one. You know, what about if a marriage is really struggling? Do we, do we just give up? Or, or maybe our relationship with our kids are not that great. And we've prayed that the Lord would mend that relationship, but it never seems to happen. So, you know what, God? I'm, if that's the way you want to be, then I have no use for you. My very favorite part of this story is what is said next. In verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And I want you to catch what they say next. Verse 17. 
This is, this is the important, important part right here. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Can we say, God, I know you can save my loved one of cancer, but even if you don't, I will not bow down. Lord, I know you can save my job. But even if you don't, I will not bow down. Isn't that incredible? The confidence how they were so persuaded that he was able to save them no matter what happened. No matter the consequences, no matter the punishment, these three young guys were not going to bow down to no golden image and throw their faith away and compromise their faith even though their life was on the line. And I am just fascinated by the boldness and the the courageousness of these young men to stand up before the king and say what they just said. In verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. And commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And throw them into the furnace. I borrowed Kleenex there, Jake. Thank you. Now, when I was thinking about the furnace, the furnace would have been there probably to melt the gold for the image. And I was trying to figure out, okay, how hot would that furnace have to be in order to melt the gold? Anybody know what the melting point of gold is? It's 1,064 degrees Celsius. That's the melting point of gold. Now, if we're trying to put that into some sort of perspective, 
we boil water at 100 degrees Celsius. So you can times that about, by about 10. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he says, whatever the temperature in that furnace is now, I want it seven times hotter. And I, and I did the math. 1,064 times 7 is 7,448 degrees Celsius. That seems pretty hot. <laughs> but you can imagine the rage that King Nebuchadnezzar had. To order the furnace seven times hotter than it normally was. And it says, so these men wearing their robes, their trousers, their turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. It says the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing fire. It was so hot that the strongest soldiers that were told to bound them up and to throw them into the furnace, that by simply getting to the... the entrance to the door to the furnace the heat was so great that those strongest men died they had enough strength to throw the three into the fire and their lives were over And when you read that, you think, well, then obviously Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their lives were done too. Because they're in the middle of the fire. They're not even on the outside anymore. But something happens. It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar, in 20, verse 24, leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire. And they replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the God. Okay. You just had these strongest soldiers die throwing them in. And now for some reason they have this obviously their their furnaces of such that you can look in. I, I I'm not sure what it all looked like. But there was obviously a window big enough for King Nebuchadnezzar to see and to watch these three guys burn. Only to King Nebuchadnezzar's amazement, 
to the point where he actually leaps out of his seat. He sees four people walking around in the fire as if there's been no harm done to them. You see, we have this promise. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 to 2, it says, But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the fires, or pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you away. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. The flames will not set you ablaze. We have a promise in this story that no matter what we're going through, if we are faithful, when we don't compromise, when we keep our trust in the Lord, He is going to walk with us. He is going to take us through. He's not going to leave us there all by ourselves. And so, if our boss tells us to do something shady and we say, sorry, I can't do that, that goes against, it goes against my God and it goes against my faith in God. I just can't do that. And if you need to fire me, fire me. But I won't. And if you get fired, God is going to be with you. And he's going to walk with you until you find another job. If you've prayed for your loved one to be healed and God decides to take them home instead, it's okay. Why? Because in your faithfulness and when you continue to trust God in the moment, He is going to walk with you through the heartache. Till the point where you can once again rejoice, where you can be filled with joy, where you can sit down and remember all the good stuff about your mom, your dad, your brother or sister, grandma and grandpa that has passed away. He doesn't leave us alone in that moment. There's... Um, I'm, I'm kind of maybe, I don't know what the word is. I'm maybe making myself sound a little bit older than, uh, than I am. 
but I love the Gaither vocal band. And they sing a song, and I, I, I'm not going to sing it for you, although I, I, had I practiced a little bit more, maybe I could have. But let me just share with you the lyrics. And the song itself is called Through. When I saw what lay before me, Lord, I cried, what will I do? I thought he would just remove it, but he gently led me through. Because without fire, there's no refining. Without pain, there's no relief. Without flood, there's no rescue. Without testing, no belief. Through the fire, through the blood, through the water, and through the flood. Through the dry and barren places, through life's dense and maddening mazes. Through the pain and through the glory, we will always tell the story of our God whose power and mercy, of our God whose power and mercy will not fail to take us through. Worship team, if you want to come forward. As we get to the end of this story, there's also something else we need to realize. You see, when King Nebuchadnezzar saw these four guys walking in the furnace, he called them out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them, and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was not even a smell of fire on them. You guys know how easy it is to smell like fire. You just have to be around a bonfire, and you go home and you smell like fire. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything, anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. That's a little harsh. And their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way.
And out of all of that, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they got a promotion. And you know what? When we're faithful and we trust God with all our heart, and when we lean not on our own understanding, God will direct our paths. And there will be good at the end of the day. There will be rejoicing at the end of the day. Because God doesn't leave us to ourselves in our heartache. He's going to walk us through. And we're going to find that our life is going to be able to be lived even more to the full because of it. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and you might have it to the full. You might have it abundantly. And we can't get to that point when we're not trusting God. So allow God today to walk with you through your hard times. Don't cave in to the evil one when he says, you know what? Compromise. Save yourself. Your God's not listening to you. Give him up. Don't do it. Don't bow down. Continue to trust. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. And we thank you for the, that you are the God in whom we can trust. And that there is nothing. There is nothing too big for you. There is nothing that we're going through that you can't save us from. And that even if you don't save us from it, that you're going to walk through with it, with us. So Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that we can trust in you, knowing that you're a God who does not fail. A God that comes through on all the promises that you have given. Lord, help us to remember.